As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs and medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Say podcast where we are here to discuss Sunderland's 1-1 draw with Luton Town, the mighty Luton Town who played Kenilworth Road, which we'll hear all about as well. I'm Stephen Goldsmith. I'm joined by Gareth Barker. Hi. You're cute to say something good. So I, was, all... I was bending down to get a can. because <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lad cast now, it is isn't a it? Cast. So cast. do what we want. You know, I, will, I will maybe one episode get through an introduction without the people I haven't introduced yet seeing something and buttoning in and cutting in, but... That hasn't happened again. You've just heard briefly there from Michael Luff and James Copley as well, who are with us tonight to discuss that draw and Sunderland's unbeaten start, remember? Mm, You're not nice supposed to it? nod your head, lads. Sorry. This I'm is just, not a good start, I'll I'm, be honest. I'm just enjoying this kind of Maltzmith's <laughs> lager that Gareth's well, I'm, I'm saying something, I'm looking for clarification. <laughs> You're both nodding your head at me. Looking at me. You're more experienced than this. You've got more podcast experience than this. I just say that just because this. it's at my house doesn't mean that I always have to provide the drinks. Because what happens is the day before I have to set all the gear up, then you all turn up. Thanks for coming and all that. You know, I know it's a bit of a trek. <laughs> then you drink all my drink and then you go home and I have to like tidy up. Want to stay so, here and drink all your beer? Well, you can stay if you want, but you've got to bring your own beer. That's well, maybe we'll just have to move around houses because when we did it at no, my house, I provided the beer then as well. Do it at my house. That's, that's fine. It's pl- plenty of beer. There you go then. That seems he's like a student and he's probably got like loads of skull. Yeah, loads of it. Oh. Export lager. Aldi's own. It's all right, Aldi's own. I, thought, I knew you were going to say that. Not as good as Little. <laughs> well. It's more of a, yeah, 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 pearl, you can't beat a pearl and black of pills, like, can you? Well, we're going to speak about Sunderland's draw tonight um, and some of the players who come into the team. Um, we've got a new defensive, central defensive partnership as well. I also want to look at the start we've made uh, in comparison to previous seasons. It's only two games, but it might be interesting to some. Uh, we're going to touch on the Sheffield Wednesday match as well. Um, both what, both regarding what the team selection might be and also about how they've sold the tickets 
uh, transfers as well, possibly. Whatever people want to throw in, basically. We forgot to ask people on Twitter if they had any questions I've for us. It. <clears throat> Nick kind of did in a roundabout way. Nobody bothered replying, though, did they? <laughs> no, it's just the story of my life. Just no one getting <laughs> oh, no. Just, yeah. I'll not, tell you what, Nick. Not a violent story. of your one. life has been an away lad and going to all the away games. Tell us about your experience at Kenilworth Road. Well, in terms of aways, it was probably the most away you could probably pick this season with the game essentially taking place in somebody's back garden. Um, it was really strange, I mean, because I've never been to Kenilworth Road before and just walking through the turnstiles and I'd heard it described to me what the ground was like, but until you see it in person, you're just walking up the steps and you look down and you just see like kind of like mattresses lying in people's backyards and stuff and you look through and you can see people like washing up liquid and that in the windows as you like stood queuing like to go up the loo or something before you go in, it's just a bit strange. I'm sure people on Twitter have seen these photos because plenty of people have posted them where you look into the backyard as you... As you go up the steps and into the into the yeah. ground, um, what's interesting is if you lived in one of those houses and you knew the thousands of people were going to look into your back garden every week, you would make sure it was quite tidy, wouldn't you? You would make sure it was tidier than that. You wouldn't have like random what was it mattresses and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it was stained bed sheets and stuff like that. I think well, you could have lent the bed sheets to the mags, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Before. <laughs> you know, with that, you'd think there'd be some sort of community group where they all get together. And they do like a different theme for every match day. So like mm. when the away fans come in, there's something weird going on across all the gardens. And they could all like dress up and do something. It's too socialist for a town like Luton, that. Yeah, probably. It would probably be a lot of bed sheets being worn in a different manner. Yeah, definitely. Just just speaking <laughs> of um, a brief mention of um, politics, uh, um, the one dilemma I had on Saturday was the only pub within a walking distance to the ground which allowed in away, away fans in on Saturday was the local Conservative club. Lots of Conservatives might listen to the show, Michael. Uh, well, uh, uh, absolutely, we live in a democracy, but from my personal viewpoint, anyone who knows me will know how much of a lefty I am, so and me. I felt as though I was compromising my principles well, somewhat by... Being a lefty is all about... Um, Understanding and, it is and it's so as well, yeah. So look at it that way. And for down south, it was relatively cheap beer, so I wasn't going to complain. Well, well, that, that's always a winner, isn't it? Um, what's interesting is Luton fans are going to come up and, and sing about Sunderland being a not very nice place on there. You can, <laughs> you can absolutely guarantee it. I mean, uh, Charlton did it near what in Croydon. Oh, yeah, oh, been to Croydon yeah. My um, one of my friends who works in London um, actually used to live in one of the flats that overlooked the ground at Charlton, so I can. Yeah, a couple of great boozers down there and we had some good times and stuff very work and class which is fine you know but which is fine no no but that's from <laughs> straight the in the conservative well, no well it, it it's is it's fine for them no, what it's I mean is it's me. like home from home in a way but you're not in a place to then go to another town or yeah, city yeah, that's yeah. better than that I did something arguably <laughs> and and start griefing it anyway I, I did, I'd to just put in in there and tell you a completely non-football related story something I did at the weekend which people fast forward through if they want but oh, I went to a wedding and we booked an accommodation. I hadn't seen it. It was in Barrow. So we went to this place in Barrow, and honestly, it was absolutely horrendous. <laughs> so I, I actually booked a different accommodation there and then and went really? to stay there instead. Blimey. What did you think of Barrow as a place? Um, it was all right on the way in. It was great on the way out. My, um, <laughs> I've got fam- like my mum's dad was from Barrow. So I'm, what allowed, do you think I'm allowed to grief it. I'm allowed to grief it to be family from there. <laughs> that and bit wasn't roots. very nice. I've got roots from Barrow. Um, right, we'll talk about the game yeah, of football, I reckon. Um, I think drawn with Luton away, a point was what a lot of people predicted. And You're playing against a side who have just been promoted. 
Um, they've got the winning feeling where Sunderland's had the losing feeling but I think generally we would all be disappointed we couldn't see the game out yeah I certainly came away feeling really disappointed because even in the second half when Luton grew into the game more I'd never felt like we were going to concede until in typical Sunderland style we did Hmm. Um, but no there was just nothing that really gave me any real anxiety while I was watching the game I think we looked fairly solid I was impressed with Baldwin I think Leuven's had a good game especially coming to meet the ball and as I say, I just think we look defensively sound, even though they had a fair bit of possession. And then the goal really came out of nowhere. Disgusting and goal, I can't say that. It, it was, it was. It was horrible. A bit mental laziness in a way, which is a posh way of saying switching off. Uh, complacency, do you think? Mm, I'm not so sure just about that. Bad, like, just <clears throat> saying watching the game, the one thing we haven't really, I say the one thing we haven't endured yet, we're two games in. I was wondering, I thought if we're 1-0 up with 10 minutes to go, which we weren't, so we didn't find out, but how would we cope with a, a bit of a sort of barrage, like an like aerial an barrage? aerial bombardment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. how push. would we cope with that? Um, and obviously we've conceded from a, a set piece. Um, so, I mean, it was, a, it was a bit just sloppy across the ball and it was a short corner, we haven't dealt with the short corner then the balls come in we haven't dealt with the ball in I know a lot of people are kind of having a pop at Catamore but I don't think it was just him who was responsible for the for the goal um, there, were know, lot, there, were, there were loads yeah. of people who just I mean, switched could off ball, and could, was it Baldwin on the line could he have headed it away I mean I, I don't know you know I think it was Leuven's man who got free um, Catamore didn't do, you know get the ball away and then it's kind of bounced kindly for the lad, and it's a good finish. Like right, only place he, he probably could have scored. I think in a, in a, in a way, conceding like that and not winning the game isn't a bad thing. I think this side needed. It's a reality check without getting humped five nil off somebody, where a game you you know you were clearly better than the opposition. You're playing football. You should be out of sight really, um, but it's just a reminder that teams are going to score ugly and play ugly against you, and that you need to be switched on. 100%. And Charlie Methon said it, didn't he? We can't go around this division like we're Billy Big mm. Bollocks or whatever he said. And It's it's a reminder without losing in, in, a, in a game that that's not perceived as a terrible result. I think it's just what this side needs personally. I think you've got to take collective responsibility when you're playing football because that's how football works. And I found the kind of witch hunting of Catamore a little bit harsh. I know he wasn't very good last season. I think most of us would agree that Expected, it's possible. sadly. Yeah, it's possibly time for him to move on, but but it's, we all know that, don't we? But that doesn't mean you then. Yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't make you know. He didn't cover himself in glory for the goal, but as you say, Sunderland should have maybe put Luton to the sword a bit more and defending his collective responsibility. Well, we had the, we had the chances. Um, Maguire has a. I mean, it's a sitter, isn't it? Really? Yeah, he should be scoring. Yeah. Um, you know, Gooch was very good on the one hand, and then the other, he was guilty of over elaborating at times. Um, I did want to speak about that actually. If you, if you want to elaborate on no, that I just comment, said, you know, if I, you want to do a gooch and over elaborate, <laughs> I, I just felt, it, and this is, I thought he was really good, and I thought he was probably one of our best players. So this isn't a over criticism. I just thought Ross when he came in, before he came in, there was all this talk about um, he likes to get the ball in the box. Now I think we saw elements of the way he wants to play the goal in particular. There's a couple, there was a couple of videos going round of his team at St Mirren and some of the goals that were scored. The goal he scored was reminiscent of that. We did, the opposite didn't touch the ball from our goalkeeper and it was all across the floor um, before we scored. The other side of that was that he said he he doesn't like to work the ball back out. 
and there was times where I felt as though some of the wide players, not just Gooch, I think Oviedo was guilty of it at times, and others where they weren't taking the opportunity to get the ball in the box quick enough. Now, I don't know if that was... I had to feel as though we weren't getting enough bodies in the box at times. And then set, and, and on top of that, I think maybe because we were over-elaborating, we had to go work the ball back out again. Now, I don't know, is this a conscious thing that I we're trying think, to do? Do you think when Wake players, that'll be different, though? I think it will be, because I think another thing about Jack Ross is I think he's a very adaptable manager and coach, which we saw against Charlton. And I think on Saturday, his feeling might have been that if we did try and get balls in the box, that that's meat and drink for Luton centre-halves, they were quite physical. And so I think when you've got Madrid up front, who isn't perhaps the most physical of players, I think it might have been a conscious thing to be trying to get the ball into his feet or from the run onto, or to try and work it in a creative manner rather than putting balls into the box, which I think could have been dealt with quite easily. Yeah, I think it'll be different when Wyke's there. But I, I do. it's still worth commenting on, on the fact I think Gooch keeps all of the ball a little bit too long at times. However... He's been excellent in the two, in the two games. Like, you know, let's make that absolutely clear. I mean, he's taken but, responsibility. Yeah, isn't he? And, but what you, and what you need to remember as well is he hasn't played a lot of senior football no. this season. By the end of this season, I would predict now that that won't be a problem in Gucci's game that he will hold on the ball too long because it's game management and you need to play senior football to to work these things out. He's played two games in a side where. Not only like in the championship where he'd play every now and again, he's playing the side now and he's looked at as one of the main men in the team. People look to him to make things happen. Right. He's got that responsibility on his shoulders and he will, fig- he will figure this out quite quickly, I think. It's easy for us to sit in the stands, isn't it, and say, and say oh, you know, release it now, release it now. The funny that the goal, there was a moment where he'd held, I'm thinking, you've held it too long, you've held it too long. Mm. And he, he was under pressure from two players. And he managed to get the ball to Honeyman. He played like a one-two, mm. and then he, he drew the players out by holding onto the ball for too long. And then he had all the space to run into. Obviously, drove in. Great run by Madger. It's not so much the run; it was a position he took up um, off the defender. So he's he's gone the wrong side. The defender, you saw him after he ran into the goal and belted the the goal net in frustration because he knows he's let him go. But it was a great bit of movement. Just. Was to go on the wrong side and then run, run, run the, across the, the finish front. as well. It was, was, a, be- yeah, it was, it was a finish. Beautiful goal. Let's. Uh, when was last time we scored a goal that satisfied? Gucci's because it was a last minute winner against Charlton. I mean, goal, we a scored team a goal, goal against Hull, against Hull um, when we beat them one 0 That was a good goal. It, it reminded me a bit of when. Do you remember when we won at Old Trafford and the Great Escape? Barini hit, yeah, hit the bar. Yeah. It reminded me a bit of that. Yeah. You won't see League One. A lot of League One sides pass a ball around like that, will you? And with a finish like that on the end of it as well. It was very cool on it and there's just lots of good lots of good things. You know, all you know, Mumba taking up space where he did to receive the ball, playing out from the back, you know, Gooch holding on to the ball and that's you know, Honeyman coming across to get involved. It's you know, it was it was nice and they've only had they've had the summer at work and everything, but they've had a lot of overhauling the squad, haven't they? Um, so it was good to see well Max Power you're looking at a centre midfield position you're saying they've had all summer to work he's been in the door it was similar to what we said about 0-9 last week he's been in the door five yeah. minutes and he's playing um, your opinion on, on him Mick What's in, it's interesting to see where he's going to go going forward because he was sitting deep a little bit wasn't he and trying to dictate a player that way that's clearly McGeoch's job when, when he plays so he has a reputation of being a box to box midfielder that centre midfield partnership it's very encouraging to me in very League encouraging. One. Um, yeah, I mean, you like to get on the ball. What I like was 
the way we played the ball out from the back. So when McLaughlin gets it, he goes long as a last resort and he tends to like to play it out to either full back the centre half and the other centre half will split and power or Mumber will drop late to get the ball. And I like that, that there was a real eagerness to get another ball. And like you said, Power was trying to dictate the play. And he, he broke the play well as well. He was just, as I say, he was quite a dynamic midfield when he gave a really good performance. Yes, he gave a ball away a couple of times, but I was impressed from overall the way he kind of controlled the midfield to a certain extent. And even though he might not be the tallest on paper, he does have a presence about him, which we've been lacking in the midfield. And I think it'll be a good sign in long term. Definitely. And that where that leaves Mumba is another thing but Mumbo's never going to be a regular yeah, star no. he's playing out necessity in terms of Mumbo's development as well you don't want to play too much football at no. that age because you, you're still do, like growing in your in your body aren't you, you I, yeah, I also feel play, like the check a trade he'll play regularly you'd think and he'll play, probably play if, in, as far as we go in the League Cup things but like what, that anyway. what a nice option to have as well mm, now, though. Yeah. I mean I, I think you know, I'm quite confident for the season, which which I'll I'll get on. What ideally, what you would like to see with Mumba is him being introduced into the team, who are playing well yeah. and playing quite free flow and attacking football, so he can go and express himself. At the minute, he's kind of like, um, you know, he's shown that he's he, he, he's a really good player just by the way he keeps possession of the ball. But we want a little bit more than that. Well, then he, he's 16 year old. You know, I, you I have know. To keep no, that, that, he's 16. I know that that's what I'm saying. But what what I guess what I'm trying to say is. I don't want him to have to play too much where almost that becomes his game and he starts to he starts to change his game because yeah. of it. I, I would rather see him come into a side that are winning where there's less pressure express on him himself. and yeah, he yeah, can express himself a bit more. That, yeah, that, that's that's what I mean. I mean. Going back to power, I thought was really impressive was the amount of space he kept finding for himself in the game. Um, and you always think that's a sign of a good player at a level, somebody who can he was never under pressure on the ball and he wasn't. That he kept on just. Every time he got the ball, he seemed to have acres around him, and it's not—it's not a fluke. It, it's he understands what his role is, and this, to come in, to, he's, you know, twenty-four hours he'd been at the club to come in and play like that. I thought was really impressive, and he played in the championship the other week. Um, you know, he—I he, he, thought he spoke really well in his interview. Um, I know that doesn't count for everything, but you know, it, I think it, like was he was pretty articulate, and uh, you know, I think. Somebody who's got a proven track record in in League One. I think what it's like you say, we're playing all right, and we've got McGeer to come back in. Mm. We, that's going to be massive. And then you've got White to come in. McGeer to come in. What more to come in? You think you feel as though if we can just gain a bit of confidence. I mean, one thing to go back on the point in Mumba. You know, he's, he's, it's rare that a Sunderland, Sunderland players play in home victories. You know, he makes his first. He, he made a substitute appearance in a game. Won the game. I'm not saying it's because of him, by the way. Against Wolves, the, against Wolves. Yeah. And then, you know, he starts a game. We win the game. The monkey's draws. well and truly off his back, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think well, he didn't even have the monkey on his back, really, did he? No, no. no. But that's important, it's isn't in... it? But did you get that winning feeling? We've got how so many players who are carrying around the losing mentality and players mm. who are playing this team. Do you think that's still there a little bit? In, in our lack of decisiveness in, our, in certain areas. I think that the players are comfortable and they're confident and they're playing for Jack Ross and they believe in what he's doing. But there's elements where you think, we've seen Sunderland sides before who've been promoted who would have who would have put Luton I think to, to bed much earlier. Than, it's, it's changing, isn't it? Because stuff like that doesn't change overnight. That's what I'm saying. It's so a process, it's, it's, isn't it? Some of the indecisiveness, is that down to that still maybe lingering in the background? I, I think so, but it takes time as well for the um, for the fans' mentality to change as well, which, mm. is, which is key in football, I think. All Sutherland fans will probably always, unless we become really good one day, have that thing in the back of our mind where we're thinking we can still mess this up. 
And I think that'll take a while to change as well. We'll need to win some games. Do you think we've learned much about the division from the first two games? I'm, I'm kind of... A lot of people were saying Luton could be favourites to go up. People weren't sure about Sunderland, um, given all the change. People were talking about Charlton. You know, I think they were third favourites at the start of the season. Do you think we've learned... What, I think Luton learned more anything than, about Luton the, more than Charlton. But I didn't think Luton was that great. No, no but the, the, the League One. The League One's I know, not but, be that but great. what I'm saying is, if I don't know, is that... I didn't think Charlton was that great in the second half, really. He had a good 20 minutes, but... For, for me, what's encouraging is the character shown in both games, because we've come back to win against Charlton when off the back of a poor season, and then we have, we've taken the lead. Yeah, we've conceded, but we haven't collapsed, and we would have collapsed last no, season, we, not the season before. We still looked after the goal of them all, like yeah. to, to get the win, which was encouraging. I think the only thing which I'll be a little bit wary of, and I do completely agree that... Um, the teams we've played so far don't look great, despite the fact they were quite widely tipped. And we're playing really well the Jack Ross, and we have a system and a style of play. But my only worry is, this time last season, I think we were sat here saying very similar things about the championship. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I think we... Me and you definitely were, Mickey. Well, I, I could not, I, I, and I'm not being wise after the event, because I definitely said when we won at Norwich and we had four points after two games, we're going to look at how we've how we've managed after two games for the promotion seasons. But of course, last season we had four points yeah. after two games. And I can remember saying, I think the side are better than people think, but I, I still stand by that. That side, that squad of players we had last year should have not been anywhere near the relegation bubble. Oh, and, and and that was the difference that, that time was. That was Simon Grayson trying to coach the passing and the, and the, a certain style of football out of the players because he perceived it needed to be different in the championship. <clears throat> this time, we're going the other way. Oh, and Jack yeah. Ross wants our players to play like that, and they're already that, playing and like that. And that's why I clearly made the point that I think that it's really encouraging what we're seeing from Jack Ross. And already, like you said, the goal we scored was absolutely superb. And you can see he has clear plans. And then even if plan A doesn't work, he's got a plan B and a plan C. And it's it's all wonderful stuff. But like I say, I think we were saying things like, oh, well, Derby, they were quite widely tipped. And obviously, yeah. they were finishing the playoffs. And we're saying that we should have won that game. And Norwich, they've been really hyped up under the new, like, is there any German coach at the time, Daniel Falk, and we beat them 3-1, and you know what I'm saying? I think we were sitting here saying, oh, we've got Ian McGeady, we've got Lewis Graben, look at the players we've got for the level, and we were sitting here saying very similar things, I yeah. think. So no, you're right. One, you're, I right. Think you're, right. Was a, you're right, and I think there was, um, I think that weakness in the squad mentally was still really, mm-hmm. really prominent last one season. I think it didn't obvious. take a lot. It didn't take a lot to... There's one obvious difference as well. Around. Then? The goalkeeper situation. Oh yeah, yeah. because we, you know, I w- I would love it if we beat them. <laughs> no, I, I, I would love it if we sat here all season and didn't mention the goalkeeper mm-hmm. in any podcast, nice and we haven't really felt the need to do that. The first game, yes, because you noticed what he wasn't making mistakes. You just want to, you know. Every podcast last season, we were talking about the goalkeepers and what you mentioned there, Mickey. We went to Norwich and we had four points. That team was all right. I still stand by that squad of players was all right, and um, what we had then was Leeds, who were flying at the time, came mm-hmm. to Stadium Light and rolled us over. Sheffield United, who had won the league in the division below, were on a high and momentum, came and rolled us over. We just played Luton, who were the equivalent, I guess, to mm-hmm. to a team like Sheffield United, and were very disappointed that we didn't win. So it would click for us. I'm, 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 I'm sticking my neck out now yeah. and saying there's no way we. Uh, again, going back to last season, we're going to go up. I, I think we're going to going go back up. to last season. How often did we have that? These are rubbish. Like you start the game, you think these are rubbish. Every game, these are rubbish, <laughs> and then you we look like we were gonna 
take the lead, didn't take the chances, then they score, and then that Sucker was punch. it. And that was it. And then we never recovered, and it was like that probably for the first, like probably for the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Probably and, and and if it's a goalkeeping error, for example, that makes it worse because the players and the crowd go, oh no, another game. And it just spreads around the team, the lack of confidence then, doesn't it? I think what Mickey mentioned about the goalkeeper we've got now is very positive, the fact that he's willing to distribute to the to the wing-backs and obviously mm-hmm. mumbo, somebody's coming and splitting the defence. And it's nice just not to notice somebody, isn't it? It's, yeah. nice, it's nice to have a shot yeah. and not to have a sharp intake of breath every time. Yeah. Every time the ball goes near his hand. Well, that's oh. the most notable thing, isn't it? That you're not sitting every time the team cross a halfway line worrying about what's going to happen at the end of it because you've got a goalkeeper there who's who's incompetent. I think the most impressive thing for me is the way he commands his area. I mean, he's not had to do anything really spectacular so far, but every time there's been a ball in the box, he's underneath his straight away, nice early shout, and he comes and gets it and he commands his area. And like you said, with Steele right there in camp last season... It used to spread through the team like wildfire, the kind of the nervousness and the anxiousness. But this season, it's having the reverse effect so far. It's instilling confidence throughout the back four, then throughout the whole team, and it's good to see. I think he's kicking overall when he does have to go along. Sometimes a little bit suspect, but I think in League One, you're a player at that um, level of football for a reason, and you're going to have quite an obvious deficiency. I think yeah. if you play at that level, and that just happens to be his. And I'd much rather his kicking was a bit skewed with occasionally than his like shot stopping or handling or something like that. Yeah. We're going to take a quick little break and then we're going to look at how Sunderland have fared after two games in each of the league um, seasons they've won the league over the last 30 years. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Okay, welcome back to the Wise Men's podcast. Two games isn't a lot of time to start looking at previous campaigns and comparing. I do, I do totally understand that. Um, we might look at this again maybe after 10 games, but I think it's the point that a lot of Sunderland fans seem to be uh, you know, very reactive. You know what they're like, so how reactive they can get. And we all, it was a draw against Luton. We should have six points in this league. Where Going back to the 87-88 season when we won at this level before, the only time we've been here, and then the other seasons that we've won the league, so they've all been a championship level, division, t- the old Division 2 level. Um, just to have a look at how we've done after two games, because we've n- we've never won them both in any of those seasons. In 87, 88, four points. We won at Brentford, then we drew at home 
to the mighty Bristol Rovers. Um, the 95-96 season, one point after two games. We lost our first game of the season at home to Leicester. We used to do that a lot. Then we, <laughs> then we drew at Norwich. Um, even the season, the first season in the Stadium of Light, which um, I haven't got on my list, but we maybe it's maybe worth mentioning because we finished third, but we got like 90 points or something. Yeah. That would normally win you the league. Lost to Sheffield United. Yeah, we lost game. to Sheffield United the first game. So 98-99 season, which was the season we broke the record, 105 points, absolutely smashed the league. Four points, big QPR at home, drew away at Swindon, who I think might have even been relegated that season. Yeah, I remember that. So then we go to 2004-2005 um, season, Three points after two games. We lost the first game of the season at Coventry. And then we must have lost to Forest a year before, maybe. Was we did, Forest? yeah. We lost to Nottingham Forest and one. No, we definitely got beat well. off Coventry in the year you're yeah, referring we did, to. Yeah, yeah. But we did. It was Sorry. a Forest the season after. Before. Before. We are, or when we finished third. Yeah, finished yeah we third. lost to Coventry and then we, drew, we won at home and a crew. Um, 2006, 2007, of course, we, we lost the first four games that season. Um, Roy Kane coming in and made a difference but God you're four games in and you haven't got a point on the board and we still won the league mm. momentum was massive that season what's interesting I think about those seasons looking at the attendances which is which is relevant um, not to go on it like a Newcastle fan because you've been at St James's part of the week <laughs> yeah. you've, you've caught it's, it it's rubbing off on me you've yeah. come away um, why it's relevant though is because the fans haven't belief makes the difference so that 98-99 season QPR was the first home game of the season. We had 40,500 fans there. And I'm guessing QPR didn't bring a lot of fans up. That was before the extension, so that's a full ground as well. The season, we went up in 2004-2005. Our first home game of the season against Crew. there were 22,000. It was a there. midweek, that one. Stephen Elliott scored his first yeah, goal. That's a lovely goal as well. 22,000, though. 18,000 down. and that just But that just shows, and what we do have now is seemingly belief on the terraces again and that that could be huge for us couldn't it it was interesting that Baldwin come out and said I don't know how many um, League One teams could handle the atmosphere against Charlton last week which was quite interesting he's got experience of that league and we well, it must use be, it to our advantage it must be uh, you know not probably not since Man City um, you know Leeds I would say different because they had a spell in that division. It wasn't like they came straight back up. Um, the teams won't be used to that at all. I mean, you look, there was 10,000 there the weekend. I mean, I know Bournemouth in the Premier League at 10,000, whatever, but it's not a common thing. And every week, and 10,000 is probably largish for that league. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be, and it's, when have you ever done, when have you ever done the stadium tour? I mean, I haven't, but I've been, you know, graduation things where you get to go down to the dressing room and that. When you walk out the tunnel, even when it's empty, mm. it's something. It is. It, it it's something. And you could imagine on a match day coming out and Kevin Kevin Ball likens it to a coliseum. He says that's how he describes the stadium, lad. Mm. But, but you it, need people there. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the thing. And then, and then look at those open day fixtures. There were twenty two thousand for one. There were forty thousand for the other. So at least the fans are. On board currently. I mean, was um, it, did we have about 28 there for the Derby game last year? Yeah. It was about 28, wasn't it? So, but it, it's a lot, it's a it's a very different situation at the moment. Is it, it says the renewed hope that things come from the the whole club's been renewed, the squad's been renewed, the manager's been renewed, everything's been renewed. So, yeah, I think it's it was vitally important we got off to a good start. We said that. 
right before the season started, everyone was saying it. I think four points from two games. If we after ten games we've got twenty points, you're on course, aren't you? And that's where we are at the moment. And we've probably had a tough start if you look at it. Um, Definitely. So we've got Scunthorpe next year in the playoffs. I'll tell you what, when I was younger, I used to be able, I could tell you, like the first 15 fixtures off the top of my head now. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't, don't even know. We've got, after, uh, got Gillingham away, haven't we? Um, so, yeah, the, the challenge is there. We'll, we'll, we'll know more about things, I think, after we play the Gillingham game. Um, second game at home, how do we cope with that on the back of what happened in the first game? Did everybody know? Did anybody read James Hunter's bit today? didn't have a chance no does anybody know when the last time Sunderland won their first two games was in the league <laughs> shout a random year at me but thanks to James Hunter for doing this 1936 no 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 it's more recent than that <laughs> might as well be it's obviously none of those seasons we've won the league because I've just gone through them oh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head yeah. you, it was before your time Mickey. before my time that's none of the stuff I'm more geekish on though <laughs> <laughs> it was 1980 bloody hell and that was a season before three points was brought in. So Sunderland have never, ever Had six taken six points from their first two games can, in can the can league. That's thanks to James Hunter for that, because he did a piece on that. Wow. Yeah, it was really interesting, wasn't it? Well, just go shock. Difficult <laughs> it is. It doesn't matter yeah, what league course. you're in. Yeah. Um, and, and everyone else is coming into the season as well with that. Everyone levels out, I think. Yeah, everyone's got that. Um, all teams have got, vast majority anyway, have got that. You know, edge because it's the start of the season and everybody's fresh and there's a lot of unknowns. As the games go on, it all levels out because people start to understand what other teams are doing, start to understand players maybe they've never seen before, um, and all that kind of thing. So, I think as time goes on, that I think after ten games, if we've got twenty points, we'll be in great shape with the players we've got coming back um, into the team. I mean, some of them might be back by then. And momentum as well, and the crowd behind everybody. Well, I think that's a good. I think that's a reasonable target. Talking about players coming back, what about incoming transfers? The loan market and the free transfer market are still available to us. To us, he's he's made. You know, it's no secret he's trying to. Well, he says he's trying to get one. He's trying to bring Sheffield a forward. Do, do we think that's enough? Mm. I don't think we need more than that, personally. I think midfield's looking. The centre of midfield's looking good. I think if we hang on to Oviedo. Yeah, I think one more would probably do it. Oviedo could go out on loan. That wouldn't be, you know... Well, he could be sold, couldn't he? To, to, to a foreign yeah. club, yeah. If, which is probably more likely. I know his wages are high. I think a loan would be and I know his wages likely. are high. I think a Premier League club's likely to panic. And if, we're, if we're loaning Oviedo out to get his wages off and we still owe money on him, I just don't see the point. I know we're, we're economising and stuff like that, but you saw for his ball against Charlton for the winner, Gucci's winner, like he can add that. Or match winning quality from left back. How many teams in League One have match winning quality from from left back? I think in terms of transfers, I think we can't fall into the trap, and I'm not and I'm not saying we will. But how many times have we chucked ourselves into short term solutions to long term problems? Yeah. So right now you would say we lack physicality up front, and obviously I can understand why we brought him in. But Moyes brought in Victor Nicheby. Now he was unplayable for two or three games, but the problem was we became we became really reliant on Victor and HB to play that sort of way in that system, and he got injured, so that actually hampered the team in the long term. If that makes sense, and I know we've got um, a Polish striker on trial at the minute, and I know the reports on him don't sound too encouraging. He's got an injury record, but I just hope we don't like panic and take a gamble on a player like that if we don't think he's ready. Because yeah, it doesn't seem like the kind of man. No, no, but he, he he cleared, didn't he? On our, he made a clear on our, on when he came on the podcast at the beginning of the season and said. 
you get offered good players all the time. Um, and it was music to our ears, really, when he said it. And he says, you've got to make sure that they're right for you mm-hmm. and not just buy them for the sake of it, which is where Sunderland have gone wrong for 10 years. And each of available, isn't he, still, I think, on a free? Uh, to be honest, a target man, experienced target man, on loan would be what I would be looking for until Wyke is fit, because I don't know when that's going to be. The thing is, a couple of weeks off training still, mm. Before he gets much sharp, before he comes into the team, Madger, as impressive as he is, is he's going to need some help up there. Well, certainly, if he's well, we just saw, isolated at the moment, saw, wasn't we, he? We he, he? That was my needs... worry when we went one-one. I thought we've got nothing to change it, and it's, it's encouraging that he's isolated. Yet he's still he's still nabbed two goals in two games, which is which is great. He's going to have but to he have people. Help. He's going to have to well, people like Maguire and Honeyman and Gooch are going to have to chip him with goals if that's the system we're, we're going to play. But for that reason. I would bring in somebody experienced who can hold the ball up. Now, if then Wyke gets fit and other forwards get fit and this guy on loan sits on the stands and doesn't play, then that's not our problem anymore because he's not our player. Well, that's it why is I, very I'm, much a short-term solution. I'm not saying we should sign, re-sign Anichibi, for example, but say you brought somebody like that in on a, on a free... That's kind of play I would go for. Yes, he's got an injury record, but you know that when we've got the people coming back, we've got options and that's where we've got, you know, what won't play through the middle... Um, like uh, Madger and um, if we got another we'd have four so it's um, you know the, the, they'll be apparently there's somebody they've got lined up according to Ross said hopefully get them in before Sheffield Wednesday obviously James Wilson's gone out to Aberdeen, Aberdeen today so it's not going to be him um, so it'll be interesting to see the kind of player it is who do we Sinclair think Sinclair as well sorry I forgot about, yeah, forgot about Sinclair to come back. Who, who's really available to get on loan now because there's, there's no like usually when you've got somebody in mind I oh, think uh, like Sinclair I wouldn't be surprised if it was somebody from yeah. the Premier League because there's, the there's nobody like who's jumping not out a game. Billy nobody... Sharp's name still getting mentioned but they, they, uh, they, he started they, the weekend and scored mm. it won't be him he come on a sub and scored didn't he no he started oh did he okay yeah. fair enough I just saw that he scored assumed he come on a sub no he started so Sheffield Wednesday in the cup. Um, what kind of team? He has to. Madger can't play, for example, because we would have no centre forwards if he was to take a knock. So it'd be interesting to see what sort of team he puts out. Who's going to go up front? I think you'd play Mumba again, wouldn't you? And I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Oviedo rested. Or Nine's going to play, surely. You would yeah, like would Power as well, just to get games? Get him games? I'm not sure. I'm not sure Power needs game. He played it for Wigan the first game he mm. played Saturday for us. Just to get him that stadium light yeah. introduction, though. Or nine. Um, do we know if Robson's nearly at fitness? Yeah, he's been. That's he, one who's been quiet, isn't he? I think he'd be a bit of his depth for in terms of up front. If we've got no other options, would anyone be averse to giving Andy Nelson to go up front? I don't I, think I he's quite good enough for the level, but I just think nobody else. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, though. Like, and it's and if he he might be required as the season goes on. I mean, so. he's telling that he hasn't made the bench in. Oh, of in course, of course. Games. What do people think about the? Um, the ticketing situation for the Sheffield Wednesday game. Uh, people who listen to this and you all know that I'm kind of obsessed Ticket with getting if there is <laughs> if there are smaller crowds in a big ground of getting people Through congregated together. I really do believe that's the right thing to do. However, I wouldn't just open one stand and put them all there. Mm, uh, no. the, in my opinion, they should have opened the east stand and they should have opened the lower sections, the very bottom sections of the north and the south, because you want people behind your goals. Mm-hmm. It's game. It's, it's on Sky as well. You can have mm. all these people now queuing for the one end to get into the ground. I can understand why they would close stands down, and I, I, it's something I've called for. But 
for me, the pitch side stands would have been open. We're going to get battered again as well. Like, people will just be straight. Look at all those empty seats. Oh, people will be straight. Just la- lazy analysis. Oh, it will be. That's, mm-hmm. But the, the, the narrative's been set. Yeah. The narrative's yeah. been set, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know it's a it's a petty thing, and the, the, the figure will be the figure on the gate. I mean, 9, 10. I mean, we've had what? Expecting about 11,000, 12,000, okay. aren't we? So, so it could be the lowest ever at the song. The, the thing that's going to be the lowest ever. I mean, but we had that. And the thing is, this is it's not indicative of Sunderland. This is indicative of the League Cup, isn't it? Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I, I was thinking oh, it's going to be a bit weird. Like, cause it's, it's going to feel like the, like the singing. I mean, I'm not a singer at the match. I, I'll, I'll sit and watch a game and take it in and all that kind of thing. You know, certain people like. So he's a better fan than us. I am a better fan <laughs> than us. So you're a singer, are you? Uh, you're a... Yeah, yeah. Help yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then then you're gonna you basically dispersed all the people who were gonna be. Yeah, that was a point I was gonna make because even because if we're on the stand, obviously, like there's not gonna be a natural place where like people's gonna congregate to try and create an atmosphere. So I think it's gonna have a feel of an under twenty threes game. Mm. I honestly do, and I, I don't think that's obviously. Might, yeah, it might I be a little think, bit. Yeah, of a... I can understand why they, you know they've opened the side where the camera's gonna be on. So. I do agree with that. Well, the camera's going to be on the whole thing. Yeah, well, I know, but the, the main camera. But they should have. you need fans behind the goals. Mm-hmm. And they should just open the bottom bits up. And, and if there was going to be 12,000 there, and you spread them between the east stand, stand and the bottom tiers of the north and south stand, it wouldn't have been great, but that would have looked all right, I think. There would have mm-hmm. been enough fans in for that to look all right. And also the Sheffield went, oh, Sheffield went, the fans give them behind one of the goals lower down. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't keep them up there. They bring two thousand up or whatever. Right, you could have put keep, them in the south stand, couldn't you? The north, yeah, the, the, the north the stand. Facilities are there. The, handle yeah, there. the north or the south stand. Well, it'd them. have to be the south because they've got the facilities right. there. So put them in there in the lower bit yeah. first. Fill that up, then open the north stand, open the east stand for Sunderland fans. But if you, if you that would have made this... that would have made you know that would have been sensible. And, and that would have looked okay. Yeah, exactly. I know, I know, it, I know it used the to be the cameras rarely on the west stand, is it? Mm. So no. I know it used to be the away end, but if you start putting rival fans in the in the south stand where the core vocal support of Sunderland fans is, it, they're not going to be too pleased about that. Are they? I, I think, wouldn't be. I, I think they've sold any tickets. Yeah, yeah, half of them won't be buying it. tickets. That's the thing. Yeah, I suppose. So they don't really have a right to say. Um, we're going we're gonna to just about wrap it up there. Should we tell people about um, what we're hoping to put out this week as a special podcast? We're still working on it, aren't we? Well, it's nearly finished. Yeah, nearly. We, Myself and Gareth come up with this idea um, a few minutes ago where we said, wouldn't it be great if we could um, speak to all the Sunderland managers uh, in the 90s? Um, because we... I mean, that would have been Dennis Smith anyway. So we decided it was logical to go back to 1987. We're not just going to say, right, Dennis, don't talk about your first three years. Here. Talk about what happened from 1990. Also, when we got relegated, it was all—it was in the pipeline before we got relegated. It was all arranged and everything, but obviously there are similarities, um, and it's a very similar situation we had this season to when Dennis Smith walked in. So Dennis Smith and Malcolm Crosby's next. He's a great. We haven't spoken to him yet. Um, we've kind of got one of the other big ones. We think sorted. Contacts being made, um, and we're going to hope to bring you those in succession. But the Dennis Smith thing is done. Um, Myself, Gareth, and Sunderland fan and broadcaster Andy Dawson speak um, about our memories and our experiences of, of that era being a Sunderland fan. And then we hear from the man himself. So we're hoping to get that out to Benno you. And, and, uh, Benno Mark, and Marco Gabbidini have contributions oh, yeah. as well. So we're hoping to get out that out this to you week, yeah. this week. We're just waiting for the artwork. We need some artwork and there's still a little bit of the, uh, the <laughs> audio thing as well. 
It was tempting just to throw it out, wasn't it? Because we just, oh, just get it all out. But yeah. no, we wanted to be Bring right. on a daily basis. We wanted to be right. <laughs> we wanted to be right. So we've done some edits and we've done some cutting, unfortunately. Not unfortunately. unfortunately. That's good for the it's listener. Great. Yeah, Quality yeah, control. Yeah, exactly. Good for the listener. That's not, not very good for Steve. It's not good for Steve. I've delegated all the responsibility. In I won't be listening to again. I've heard it about 20 times now. I can't handle any more of it. I'm not word for word now. He's teaching himself audacity. That's what he's doing. Well, you know. We'll now that means burning. I delegate all of the uh, <laughs> all of responsibility to Stephen. Now it's not that different great. from the stuff I've done in the studio. Really, I was worried about it for no reasons. Just the same, yeah. just a smaller Panic. version of it. Panic. Panic. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.